Hello, guys, and welcome back to a new edition of Out of Bounce, where today we have an action-packed show and we have a full house on our plate. We'll be discussing the NBA draft and the upcoming NFL season. But first, let's do some introductions, as always. I'm Spencer Brown. Joining me alongside, we have Casey Reardon. Howdy doody. Dalton Bishop. Hey. And Christian Ernst. Hello. So before we dive into the uh, – there's just a few uh, other notes in, around the uh, sports world. So in the instant of way, there's a couple things. South Carolina fired their head football coach, Will Muschamp, after six very uneventful years. I think it was about time. I mean, do you guys have anything else to add about that? I think it was about time that he was fired. I'll start with uh, Christian. Do you have any additional thoughts for South Carolina? Originally, deciding now. Originally, I thought uh, South, I thought Will was only there for like a couple years. So originally, I was like, "Huh, that's interesting." But after you're saying six, it's like, "Oh yeah, he they, they definitely needs the." Oh, it's only, okay. So it's four or five. I may have got the number. Well, well, anyway, South Carolina really hasn't done anything since uh, Jadavion left, and when when he was there and. That team was there. They were monster. Now they're just kind of a joke in the SEC. Yeah, Don, you follow being a Kentucky fan follows the SEC a lot closer than I do. So, what's your thoughts on a Will Muschamp? Um, I thought he was an okay coach, but then yeah, but of course, you know, coaching in the SEC is, you know, you're supposed to have high expectations, and he just couldn't get it done. So, yeah, he. He was not that good at Florida either. Casey, anything you have to add to this? He never really had a chance to succeed. Yeah, I mean, Florida It's Florida's un, unfortunate. I mean, he did struggle, but was kind of ousted a little earlier. Say with McIlwain, he was like an SEC title game two straight years and then fired middle of the third. And then South Carolina is just – it's not really – I don't know what it's like. Because Clemson's in South Carolina, and they're predominant, like preliminary uh, – they're like a threat every year, but then South Carolina is just not in that same category. And then also instead of late news, this is still preliminary. I haven't seen anything about this lately, but there was a report last week. I saw that Indianapolis, the city of Indianapolis, the state of Indiana is in talks to host the entire instantly tournament next year, which I don't, I think it's a good like start because we saw how the, NBA bubble happened, and that was very successful. I don't know how you can do with college student athletes with uh, 68 teams in one location over a three-week period of time. But I do think you need to go to, like, some, like, central location or, at worst, break off the four regions and do what they used to do in the old tournament days where they was based off geographical location, have four different pods, and then have them for the final four. Again, it's still preliminary discussions. I'll go to Dalton first on this. How do you think that would work if they do have the whole entire tournament at one location, such as Indianapolis? Um, I mean, I think it would. Well, so that's tough because, well, then because then you have to put in hotel, like you have to do travel hotels, the whole the whole nine yards beforehand. And of course, if you get the travel plans and the hotels figured out, then I think it can work. Um, but thing also too is that we still have covid going on and with all the restrictions and stuff and like of course you know assuming nothing is fixed by next year um like you'll also have to take that into consideration which also in turn makes it feel like you know you can't exactly 
put a bunch of teams together in one or two hotels if you want to do quote unquote social distancing. Um, so I don't know. I think they need to think about it a little bit more um, before acting on uh, having it in one city. Yeah, I mean, it's still, again, preliminary discussions, but instantly headquarters are in Indianapolis, Indiana. So, yeah. and so they probably have a lot of like say, and they probably can get some pull in the city. Casey, what's your thoughts about if the way is to go to a single-site tournament next year? It seems like it's going to be like a uh, a bubble. It, it thinks, I think NCAA is trying to copy what the NBA did. And, um, you know, that's going to be hard to do, you know. There's a lot more teams, a lot more people, and the NBA has a lot more money to work with. Not to mention the student athletes also being a student too have classes, which mm-hmm. I mean I I know a lot of schools went to like online format, so they could still go to their classes virtually, being at a new location, but they still have that on their schedule. Christian, do you have any additional thoughts on the Instaboy? So what I've heard is, if most likely it does go to Indiana and has one location that there may not be as many teams instead of 64 or maybe even 32 and maybe 16. So where like the top teams only go in uh, from like maybe if one of each conference possibly, because how many conferences are eligible? It's like 10 or something. No, there's 32 conferences that exist and each team, I think 33, maybe each one gets one automatic bid. Oh, that's right. So it, it possibly can be 32, but 16, they just probably don't want as many teams, like 64 whole teams in there just with, you know, travel and everything all in one location. Um, so it, it'll, it may be doable, but I think we just have to see, like, where COVID is at, a, at one point, you know, about the vaccine and everything. Uh, I'll, you know, I want the NCAA tournament back. Uh, it's a great, you know, time to watch it. Uh, we've also heard, like, Rick Pitino who's at Iona now, he's like, let's delay the season and have like a May madness, you know. So there's a possibly more time for everyone, all 64 teams to come in. It, it's an interesting situation, but we'll see how it goes later on down the line. Yeah, again, there's a lot more talks that need to be done, and we will update you when we find stuff out. Shifting to Major League Baseball, trust me, we'll get to the NBA eventually. But there's a couple things that happen with the majors. And I'm going to start here with uh, Casey on this discussion where Cubs president Theo Epstein has resigned. For those not familiar, Epstein has been with the Cubs since, I believe, 2011. He also was with the Red Sox before then. He helped win a championship for both teams, ending their long title droughts that existed. So who knows if that's the end of the line for him or where he decides to go. But Casey... What was your initial reaction? How do you feel now with the resignation of Theo Epstein? I was a little surprised when I first heard the news, but I do think it is time for a change in the front office. Money has not been handled well. Uh, signings have not been handled well. Um, for example, Jason Hayward. That's kind of a contract where you look at it and it's like, yes, you get a very good defensive player, but the offense just hasn't been there. Although, this year is an outlier for that. And, you know, you look at the contract for John Lester, who has been declining every year since we've gotten him. 
you Darvish, you had a horrible first year with us, but then again finished second in the Cy Young. I mean, we're we're signing players that are not worth the amount of money that we're paying them, and you know, for having such good young players, nothing to show for it except a World Series four years ago. I mean, that was supposed to be the start of a dynasty, and we haven't seen anything close to it since. So, what's your thoughts on uh, Jed Hoyer, who's taken over the row? Anything about him that you know of? Yeah, Jed Hoyer and Theo Epstein worked very close together, you know, on most of the plans. Although, you know, Theo was the mastermind of creating his team and, you know, all the trades, the farm system, creating that. I think Jed Hoyer has his own ideas, and I think that he'll be a good, you know, general manager. I did hear so far that the Cubs are planning to blow it up this season and make a whole bunch of moves. Although I do hope that does not mean moving Chris Bryant and Javier Baez, but I have a feeling it means moving Chris Bryant. Yeah, that would be very unfortunate if that is the case because KB has been – I know he's your favorite player. He's been really fun to watch for baseball. He's not been good for – he's not been good since his MVP season due to injuries and, you know, stuff like that. Uh, Christian, you're a fan of the rival NL Central rival of Cincinnati Reds. What did you have any reaction to the news with the Epstein stepping down? Um, I mean, not much. I mean, y'all know me. I'm not, you know, too involved with baseball, <laughs> even though I just follow the Reds. But you know, I, I, you know, like Casey said, I think Chicago needed a change with some of the contracts they handed down after winning the World Series several years ago. Um. So, I, I, you know, I think it's going to be an interesting move, and for KC, it's a good move. So, I'm, I'm kind of with, you know, him on that. Like, it could be good for Chicago. Uh, probably won't be good for the Reds. But I'm really indifferent about it, you know. So, you know, for Chicago and Chicago fans like KC, you know, glad, you know, hats off to you. And we'll just see where it goes. Uh, Serve next season and then on. Yeah. Dawn, do you have any additional thoughts on this? Nope, I agree with everything you all said those this far. Yeah, I mean, I was I texted Casey a bit last week. It'd be interesting to see because the longest drought right now is the Indians. Because I remember the Indians Cubs World Series was the two longest droughts in baseball. So it'll be interesting to see if he goes to the, either the Indians or maybe we can go to like a team like the Mariners that have never won at all and deliver them a championship. That would be insane, man. He did say he would take at least a year off. Oh, really? I'd, so okay, so yeah, take a year and decide his future. But it would be interesting to see if he just goes around the world, kind of like we thought Kawhi was going to do with the NBA and just deliver every team a championship. And also in news, Robinson Cano for the New York Mets tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs, will be suspended the entire 2021 Major League Baseball season. Uh, Unfortunate situation. Forfeiting, I believe it was between, it was somewhere between 21 and 24 million. It was 24 million. Yeah, forfeiting 24 million. Well, I hope it was worth it to shoot up PEDs, but any additional thoughts from any of you guys? What an idiot. You can't blame I him. I mean, you really can at the same time, but I mean. Dalton, did you just say you can't blame him? Can't blame him. <laughs> I mean, he's like, why? like in his 30s. Like, like he's kind of old. This is baseball. the second time he's been busted for performing drugs. Yeah, but the 30s is basically the 20s in baseball. Yeah, he's 38 right now. He's 38. Like, that's – he should retire soon. Like, if you got to, like, shoot well, baseball, up they play longer. I mean, he doesn't have long to live. He just wants an, ex- he wants an extra juice to get some home runs and 
Did you just say it doesn't have long to live? <laughs> oh my god. Long to live? Chris, that's a little bit too far, like I think. The Dodger, the... the no. I mean, PED's not the same as cocaine. It's not going to kill you. I mean, performance-enhancing drugs, I mean, that could be cocaine if it makes you play better. Yeah. I mean, this discussion is I don't, don't that. even know what you're doing on cocaine sometimes. I don't want to think oh about the man gosh. shooting up cocaine. That's kind of gross. Guys, this discussion is derailed. All right. Well, you know, you don't <laughs> get us back on track, man. Okay. Uh, also, congratulations. This is not baseball, but the Masters, congratulations in store for Dustin Johnson. He shot 20 under, the lowest score in Masters history. Congrats on him winning the green jacket. And now on to the NBA, where before we break down the draft, there's a few other note, uh, news and notes that i like to discuss with you guys. Uh, the NBA schedule, they've announced it. It's going to be a lot different because of COVID restrictions. They're going to do a two-part schedule release. The first part hasn't become – they announced like the way this going to be formatted. We haven't seen the schedule yet, but they're going to release the first half. And then I'm assuming the second half is going to be when the All-Star break is. So, any uh, – I'll start with uh, Casey first on this. I like the idea personally with uh, – like, see, like, how it's going, how the season's going, and plus giving some leeway to make up games. What do you think about them deciding to release it in two parts this year? I think it's kind of weird. Um, I personally don't like it because I want to see, you know, the schedule for my team the entire year. But I, I guess I understand the reasoning behind it. You know, like you said, the makeup games, and, you know, we don't know what's going to go on the rest of the year or how the players are going to fare, especially with such a short rest period. But, yeah, I yeah, yeah I agree. I think we'll see. Yeah, uh, Dawn, do you have any? What's your thoughts on the breakdown of them doing a two-part schedule release this year? Very interesting. Hmm. I want to see how this goes because obviously it's never been done before. And uh, huh? Okay. Um, yeah, I'm gonna. I want. I really want to see how long this lasts, and in terms of like the players and the teams and stuff. So. Yeah, Christian, do you have anything to add to this? I mean, discussion? nothing much other than um, it, it, it'll just be really interesting to see, like, exactly where everyone goes, you know, how long do they have to have breaks in between. I'm guessing back-to-back games will no longer – well, probably not no longer, but for upcoming seasons will not happen. Um, you know, probably test right after, so – it, it'll be different. Hopefully, it goes well and it follows through, and we can have a, you know, a full-ish season where there will be no breaks in between. So, uh, can't wait for next month. You bring up the back-to-back, and I don't know if it's been confirmed one way or another, but I could see a scenario where similar, similar to how the Ace Sun in Division One basketball is doing it, where you play one location back-to-back nights, like take two teams, like take both LA teams. Well, they're in the same building right yeah. now, anyway. But like having them play back to back nights, no travel in between, like those. Yeah, games. but I was I was saying like say say Miami for example, we had a game yeah. against Orlando, and then we have to drive up to like Dallas or Atlanta or. Something. Yeah, something it's a lot happen. different when you're playing different yeah. teams. Did you just so, say drive up? Drive up. To yeah, Atlanta. Miami has to drive up to Atlanta or Dallas or fly. I'd be driving over. It's going to be a lot different. Okay. And also, NBA has announced this year, and I think it's partially due to, uh, like, them shorting the season to 72 games, trying to recoup some revenue, and with how the bubble success was, this would be a play-in tournament-ish kind of thing. 
for the seventh and eighth seed. So the way it's breaking down is the team that finishes seventh and eighth in the conferences, East and West, there's no game restriction that I know of at the moment. Seven and eight play one game head to head. Winner of that game is automatically the seventh seed in that conference. And then the nine and 10 play where nine and 10, the winner of that game plays the loser of the seventh, eighth game. And then the, that game determines who the eighth seed is. So this in this scenario, the way it's laid out, it's kind of like how it was last year. Seven eighth, you need to win one game, you're in. So that's simple enough. Nine ten, you just need to you need to win twice, which makes sense because you kind of dug yourself that great playing the seventy two games and not being there at the moment. What would be interesting to see would be if a team finishes seventh, but then loses twice, and then the tenth seed team makes it to eight. And their games back was like something really astronomical that would not have been feasible to come back in in a real season or normal season. But I like the idea. I don't see it being a permanent thing just because 16 out of 30 teams qualify for the playoffs already. That is more than half the league. If you put it at 10, that's two-thirds of the league qualifying for some sort of postseason play. And I don't know if that's a feasible thing the league wants to see. I mean, if it gives them revenue, they'll do it more than likely. But I'll start with Dawn first. I like the playing tournament for like this year to recoup some revenue. What's your thoughts on it? I think it's a great idea. No, I think I think that the playing tournament idea is is a, a good thing, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, Christian, I know you're voc- You've been vocal to us at least about how you want to see it continue in like a non-COVID season. So, what's your thoughts on that? Like, why do you want to see this? Because continue? I think it would give other teams a chance. You know, we've seen in the past where uh, I think it was two years ago, Sacramento was like one or one and a half games behind the eighth seed. And, you know, they kind of fell short on that. So I would just like to see this for, you know, teams that are just right there, right next to, um, you know, the borderline of the playoffs and then get a chance to get into the playoffs, you know. like And obviously we've yeah. talked about, like, say the eight and nine seed is like five or more games apart, then it shouldn't be that way. Probably even like three games apart. But if it's like a half game or one game apart from eight and nine, I think, you know, the nine seed should have a chance to play against the eight seed and see who really does deserve uh, a chance in, you know, a spot in the playoffs. So I think it would be a good addition to have that for future seasons when COVID is is no longer a huge issue. Yeah, or something like how baseball does. Like, yes, this is a tiebreaker scenarios that exist. But in baseball, if you have the same exact record – there's a one-game playoff that they had between the two teams to break the tie, which, I mean, maybe the NBA goes then in the future. We'll see. Casey, do you have any additional thoughts on the play-in tournament? Yeah, I, I disagree with Christian because, to me, that loses some of the allure of the playoffs. I mean, the playoffs is meant to be, you know, hard to get to and, you know, a kind of prestigious thing that your team has accomplished. If you open that up to more teams, that lessens the importance of it where – you mean like if it's all if it's twenty teams compared to you know the sixteen that it already is, that's just opening up more opportunity for bad teams to not like want to improve. I mean, if they make the playoffs, that's kind of like it's a good you're, season. You're but playing in reality, eight, you're playing for not. the eight seed and sorry to interrupt, but I'm saying like something between like Memphis and Portland. Those two teams have been scrapping and clawing their way back to the playoffs. I'm not saying let's open 
you know, most of those teams going into the playoffs and not even 20. I'm saying just one of each, if any, you know. So if there are teams that are seriously neck and neck in the playoff race, you know, the other team should have a little bit of extra juice possibly to see if they can get to the playoffs. And if they they lose that one game, say, you know, Portland's eight and Memphis is nine again, you know, say that happens and Portland wins, Portland wins, end of discussion. But at the same time, if you're neck and neck most of the entire season fighting for the eighth spot and more than likely the one seed, whoever it is, just sweeps you basically, I mean – it, I don't think the eight. I'm saying playing for the eight seed. You're not going to win in the eight seed more more than likely. I still disagree. I think that you know it's the way the season goes. If you play well, every enough, game you're going to make the playoffs exactly, and that just eliminates the every game counts aspect. Yeah, it's like baseball. Like they talk about baseball expansion. Like this year, it made sense. Sixty games. You're only playing one of the division in like each league. It makes sense to expand it for this year, but when it's 162 games, you kind of separate yourself over the course of the season to know who the best teams are. And okay, but Casey, this year with the shortened season, 72 games, do you think it's like still it's a good idea, and also to recoup some revenue from loss from last year? It's only 10 less games, so I don't think it's a good idea. But I understand that you're recouping the revenue aspect of it. Yeah. Again, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, I like it for this year. I don't know how long-term fixture with it. Also, okay, one last note of point be- before we go into the draft, because I know everyone's waiting to get to the draft. Uh, unfortunate news broke last night with uh, Clay Thompson. It was confirmed this morning. Torn Achilles. It is the other leg, not the one they the leg that his ACL was torn on. So it's different, but torn Achilles out for the season. And one of my – Casey, I'm going to get to you on this first because you get the more medical aspects. Mm. One of my friends brought the point that you could see kind of a D-Rose as – I don't know what to say decline, but situation where, you know, legs, knees, whatever, unhealthy. And I don't think personally Clay's going to be the player that he once was. I think he can still be solid, but he's not going to be the Clay that was winning those championships for Golden State. So, Casey, I'll have you take the floor now. Yeah, I mean, how old is Clay? 31, 32? Uh, so I'll double check it, but go on. I mean, that's getting up there for an injury like that. I mean, we're looking, he's 30 he's lucky, right now. I mean, yeah, he's lucky that's not a career ender, especially with the Achilles and how long it takes to, you know, recover from that. It takes at least, you know, six, seven months. At least, if you're, if you're fat. I mean, if it's fast, but I don't see Clay coming back within – you know, the next year. I mean, we saw how long KD was out, and we still haven't seen him play yet. Yeah, I mean, I okay, Clay's going to be looking at a two years loss, which uh, luckily he signed like a big contract extension before uh, the injuries took place. Oh, actually, so July 1st, 2019, signed a five-year, $190 million extension after his injuries. But it's still very. He's got the, he's got the money. He's locked up, but he's not going to be the player he once was. I, I don't see it at least. Do you see him bouncing back and being the player he once was? Um, I don't see it, but I think it's very much possible. Yeah, uh, Dalton. I mean, I know you that the Thunder have historically been bitter rivals with Golden State after the whole KD saga, and also always battling the playoffs. Would you hate to see a player, especially if Clay, because Clay's a very likable player too. 
of his stature go down? I mean, obviously thoughts and prayers. What do you, what's your takeaway from Clay Thompson? And do you see him being the player he once was again? Um, well, I don't know. I think he could, but it's going to take a little bit. Um, I, mean, I don't know. It's going to, it's going to take a little bit. I mean, we, 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 we can't really tell right now because I don't know. He's, he's injured. Like, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know, especially cause Katie, he's at what he, he tore he tore his goals too, didn't well, he? Yes. And he, yeah. he's going to be back when the season so, starts. Once KD plays, then we'll find out how good the players actually are after they tore their Achilles. Like, that's yeah. – I mean, I don't really know. I don't really know at this point. Yeah. I mean, D. Rose, I'm looking at – like, last year he averaged 18.1 points, but we know how his knees were the latter part of his Chicago career after the MVP season he had. So, again, we'll see. Christian, do you have any additional thoughts for uh, – I mean, Clay just Johnson? thoughts and prayers, but – um. You know, it could be like a D-Row situation where he's not as, uh, you know, he's not a uh, that big of a shooter like he was when he was just shooting lights out before his injuries. But I think if he, you know, if he averages like D-Row's now, like if he averages seven, you know, 16, 17, 18 a game, I think that'll be just fine. And, you know, like I said, Clay is a real likable guy. There's, I don't think there's anybody that's like, oh, I don't like Clay Thompson because – He's just a likable guy. He's an underdog. He has played really well. So I'm I'm hoping, you know, the best for Clay and hoping on this latter part of his season, if it's his uh, career, excuse me, that he average, you know, he averages some good numbers for the teams he plays for. Yeah, I mean, best of luck and I hope like he'll be back but it's gonna, when and when he comes back like you said, he's a very likable player. Everyone in the NBA is going to be very happy, and it's going to be a lot of people shedding tears to see him. Kind of like Alex Smith. Like, you want him to come back. But anyway, on to the NBA draft. If you're not familiar, that was last night, the day that we're recording is Thursday. It was held last night. No surprise at the very top of the draft with Anthony Edwards from Georgia going one, Wiseman going two to the Warriors, Lamella Ball three. I'm not, I could go on and on, but there's a lot. Obviously, 60 total picks. But I want to begin this with, our reaction from each of us on how we thought our favorite team did. So I'll just go first since I have this discussion right here. Uh, the Celtics, they used, they used for one picks being rumored to be traded to Memphis. Of course, nothing quote official yet, but they took Aaron Neesmith at a 14 out of Vanderbilt, which interesting note, Vanderbilt is the only school the last two years to have a lottery pick. Take that how you want. I don't know. J- James stack, uh, Jerry Stackhouse, excuse me. Student very Former good Raptors job there. assistant coach in the 905. <laughs> yeah, he won a championship with the, in the G League. Credit him for these developments. Neesmith, according to some people, best pure shooter in the draft. He shot 52% last year, but he did only play 14 games. And again, I don't know how he's going to do. I, I'm excited because we, I mean, Christian can attest, Boston, that series got killed by the shooting of the Miami Heat with Tyler Hero and, and Duncan players. So, yeah. Like that, that, so, we needed shooters. I kind of was hoping they get a big man. Since he's listed at small forward, we'll see how he plays. Another one they took, Peyton Pritchard out of Oregon, who, solid player, four-year player for Oregon. He was on the team that made the Final Four as a freshman. He was the only starter that year. Kind of, I mean, the knock on him, his age being older, he's 22. But I, I could see him being 
I don't know, decent at least. Maybe spot minutes off the bench, probably spend some time in the G League to develop. But he's, again, it's something. He was a good shooter too. Second round, they took Yam Madur from Israel. He's going to be a stash guy. He's just going to play overseas for uh, the next year. We'll maybe see him in two years in Boston. It's just time will tell because he's not NBA ready yet. Also, late second round pick. Nothing too fancy with that. Uh, I'll go to Dalton first. Thunder had a very interesting night flipping and trading picks. So I don't even know which players you guys currently drafted and which ones you traded away. So I'll just have <laughs> I'll just have you try to uh, give us your thoughts on all the players and what you thought for the overall. I don't either. Because we'll get to the trades later on. I'm going to try. Okay, gotcha. Well, I'm going to try to decipher this. Uh, they – all right. On their team – Alexis. Alexa. Uh, I like him. He's a really good three-point shooter for his height. Some European player. I can't pronounce his name, but he's really tall. Yeah, him. Oh, he's also good. They got, they got him. Um, Theo Maladon, um, and that looks to be about it from the draft. Um, you know, I think, I think obviously this is very, a uh, uh, this is, this is not surprising to me. Uh, Sam Presti is, uh, but very, like he does trade a ton, um, like, you know, at this point, I'm just okay with pretty much everything that he's doing because uh, he knows the team better than I do. So, um, uh, I think I think maybe one or, like, maybe, like, all the players that they drafted yesterday, they may be able to get onto the main roster. I, I don't know the exact um, roster construction right now because – But I wouldn't be surprised if they Kobe went out to the uh, G League. To- so. Maybe I don't know about six man immediately, but he's definitely gonna. I think could be a contributor immediately. Um, yeah, Pokosevsky, he's a very good three point shooter for his height, and Theo Molodin, he was supposed to be a high. Yeah, he's got a, he's got a good chance. Slid pretty far. I mean, he's also another good guy, six foot five from France. Pokosevsky is at least seven foot one. I think he's seven three. Sweet, but yeah. Is ESPN lists him as seven foot, but that's you know that could not be. Yeah, he's either. also very tall and light. He, yeah, of course he's tall, but he's only like about one hundred and ninety to two hundred pounds. Very light for a center, but like I said, he's very he's like he's a stretch five. So, yeah, I, I like what Preston's doing. Uh, Casey, Casey, what's your thoughts on the uh, Toronto Raptors draft? The complete picks? opposite. I do not like it. I think we wasted draft picks instead of addressing actual needs because I think we're going to re-sign Fred Van Fleet, or if we, I hope we do, and if we don't, we're stupid. Um, well, and then we go after we, – we sign two guards, which we have very good guard play. We need more small forward and forward and center play, which I don't know why we didn't draft anything like that, which is kind of baffling to me. I don't know. I'm just never happy with the Raptors drafts. I mean, look, in the past couple of years. So you're you're not a big Malachi Flynn no, guy? Stop. I'm I've never heard of any of these people. 
I mean, Malachi, San Diego State, if I recall, I mean, it has been a while since college basketball was played. I, I believe they were the last undefeated team this past season. Someone could correct me if I'm wrong on that. And they had a good chance to make some noise late in the if they made the tournament. But I don't know. With me, with Boston, I'll get to you in a second, Christian. Trust oh, me. Oh, don't worry. Keep up. <laughs> with Boston, I always oversell myself on. And same with the, the, in football at the page. I'm like, oh, yes, we took this guy here. He's going to be good. Like last year, I sold myself really high on Carson Edwards, who it was a second round pick. So it's not a whole lot. That was like expected, but he was a shooter, a very lights out shooter in college. We haven't quite seen that yet. Of course, maybe he'll make a jump in year two. Christian, I really like what Miami did with uh taking pressures of Chua. I think him at twenties, I don't want to say steal, but I think it's a very solid pick and pairing up with Bam. What was your thoughts on getting? I think him that's precious? huge for us getting him. Um, we have shooters, you know, we have Tyler, we have Duncan, we have Drajic uh, who can go off every night. Jimmy's a great shooter. So we kind of need to get, you know, a better, you know, big man defenders. And, you know, we got Bam. Now we got Precious. We got uh, – we still got UD on the bench, you know, being that um, – I mean, that old older veteran that can help him. Uh, and we got Kelly Olenek who uh, kept his uh, uh, player option. So he'll stay on the team for the next season. So I think, I think we got very lucky. He's definitely going to come off the bench. He's not going to be uh, – uh, starter if Bam and uh, Kelly are healthy. But I, I definitely think this is a huge pick. He was really high on people's draft boards, and I guess he, you know, he slid off for who knows what reason. But I think it's a good pick for Miami. We didn't really need to get a certain position. We just needed some more depth at the bench and for a big man. So I think we got the perfect pick, honestly. And hopefully he's the seal of the draft. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, again, we no, the, the thing about this year's class is that they have that, such a quick turnaround. Like, a normal year, the draft's in June. You have summer league in July. You have August training camp. You have a lot of chances for teams to take a look and see how you're going to contribute. Whereas this year, you have literally a month, and not even that, between your first game. Like, you got training camp. You have to get, learn a whole new playbook scheme, whatever. Uh. Now on to I want to get your thoughts on the biggest surprise of the draft. You can you can ask take name as many as you want. For me, I think one surprise, Patrick Williams kind of shot up everyone's draft boards really late. He was a sixth man in college, but Leonard Hamilton said when they asked about that, he's like, "Look, he may be the sixth man, but he finished the game," which I think that's very important to have a guy kind of like similar to Marcus Smart in the for the Celtics where. Yes, he's a six-man in name, but he plays starter minutes and he gets that closing lineup. But I thought him at four, again, we'll see. I'm not going to say it's a reach, but I was a little bit surprised to see him go that high. Um, Halliburton slipping to 12, I think, was a little bit of a surprise. A little bit, not a whole lot. But uh, Pat Williams going that high. And then, from what I've heard, a lot of people were very high on Tyrell Terry, so him slipping to the second was kind of a surprise, too. And even though Duke this past year didn't really have the stars, seeing them not get a first-round pick for the first time in 10 years was a very peculiar, interesting set to see. So I'll go to Dom. What was your uh, two or three biggest surprises of the night last night? Hey, 
Um, Cole Anthony slipped to 15. Any particular reason and, with those? Yeah, any particular reason why that um, surprised RJ you so Hampton much? RJ was out of the top 20. With both of them? He, he was, was the well, entire team. I mean, Cole Anthony was good in North Carolina from what I remember. Um, I thought, yeah, he was the entire team. Um, thought for sure he would have gone top 10, but I get it. Teams have needs. Um, as for RJ Hampton, I thought he was like three or four months ago, one of the most sought after, well, besides the obvious, like LaMelo Ball and James Wiseman. And, um, first off all draft pick, Anthony Edwards, I thought that RJ Hampton was yeah, going to be up there as well. I believe and it was even, him. And he wasn't even be completely wrong. Um, in the top but 20 at least. He looked very so pissed off when he was drafted. Me. Cause like, I mean, I'm again, he probably thought he was going higher. And see him go to 24. He was drafted by Milwaukee, but the pick was traded, so he'll play for the Nuggets at the moment. That's what we believe. So, I mean, he was up, very upset going that low because I think he thought he was going to be very high. Uh, Casey, what was your two or three biggest surprises of the night? And I was very surprised with uh, surprise with Vernon Carey Jr. going 32nd and Theo Maladon going 34th, as well as um, I was also very surprised at – Cassius Winston going 53rd. Yeah, all three of those were very surprising for me because I saw in mock drafts Cassius Winston, you know, top 30 pick consistently. I saw um, Theo Maladin very high as well. I saw Vernon Carey um, in the 20s all slipped very, very far. And then another big surprise for me was... Obi Toppin going number eight. I thought he would definitely go a little bit higher in the top five, maybe four. The thing about Toppin is, and it's unfortunate, but in the NBA, they usually, we know how it is. They like the young guys get that development in. Whereas Toppin's, I believe, 22 right yeah. now. So he's, he's a lot older than other prospects. I'm not saying that he should have slipped that high, but, or slipped that far, but that is, but it's unfortunate how the NBA GMs look at it. Christian, do you have any uh, two or three biggest surprises? I got to go with uh, – uh, I forget how to pronounce his name, but Denny from Israel going to Washington. There was a lot of mock drafts. So, like, he's a top three pick possibly. He's top five. And him falling all the way almost out of the top ten was very surprising to me. And, you know, and he has a really nice swing, so I thought Chicago may pick him up or – uh, Cleveland was going to pick him up, but sadly that wasn't the case. So Washington, it's going to be interesting um, because rumors of possibly a John Wall and Westbrook switch or Bradley Beal may get dealt or something like that. But if John Wall can get back healthy and Bradley Beal still on the team with Denny, ooh, I think that's going to be a real nice team out in the East. It, it won't win. I don't think they'll be like a threat in the East, but – They'll definitely be a nice uh, team. And then I got to go Cole Anthony. I'm like, he was projected before all of this. He was projected to be a top five pick. Like, he was supposed to be, like, number one or number two or something. And then LaMelo and Anthony Edwards just took over the entire league. So, Cole Anthony dropping all the way to 15 out of the lottery. 
you know, it is what it is. But I think Cole Anthony, you know, he'll develop nice over there behind Markel, who's actually done really nice for Orlando uh, since he got traded from Philly. But, yeah, I think Cole Anthony and Denny were my two big uh, big shockers for me, along with Casey with uh, Obi. And, New York, and, by the way, New York, thing- you finally didn't screw up a draft pick. It's a, it's a very 2020 thing where it's like New York did not screw up. So – Shocking. They did it. Another thing with New York is they got Miles Powell, undrafted free agent out of uh, Seton Hall, who I was a little surprised he was undrafted, but of course, age is also a factor. But Miles Powell was a very good player in the Big East the last couple of years. Same with Marcus Howard, who also went undrafted. Uh, the thing about Denny being a European guy from Israel is that people tend to overthink these picks. And you could have a guy end up like Luka Doncic, who's a star right now, or you can have a, a huge draft bust. So we'll see how this career falls. Yeah, I, I was looking at stats for Denny. Um, and in 26 games last year, he only averaged four points. He only averaged four? four That's points. kind of surprising. In, in 26 games, five started. And in the year prior, he only averaged two in eight games. Hmm. So that's very surprising mm. that he was taking this high, in my opinion. Again, he's he's only he's very young and he's played since he was sixteen. Like so, these are again. I don't know much about these prospects because it's very hard to scout European guys. But again, he's it's a very hit or miss, especially with the Euro guys. And like they like sometimes they can like the U.S. guys from the college game, they can kind of like carve out a nice role on some rosters. Uh. Now on to who did you guys think was the steal of the night? And I mean, maybe not steal of the night, but who a few guys you think could be a steal? And for me, I think it's Halliburton at twelve. I don't know much about him personally, but I saw a lot of people think he was going to go really high, and that was him slipping to twelve to Sacramento. Like he'll be, I think he'll be a very good player because Sacramento's not terribly talented, really comparatively. So I think he'll he'll have a lot of chances, and he'll be the point guard. I think he'll have a lot of chances to shine. Uh, looking late first round, maybe I don't know. Udeko Azubuki from Kansas, four year starter there. I, mean, I don't four year starter, but he could be someone to watch out. He's seven foot two seventy, can patrol the paint, and then maybe in the second round, guys who could probably be a still like candidate. Gosh, I don't know. Maybe possibly in this a little bit Homer being in Louisville, but I like Jordan War going to the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. I think learning behind Giannis and the other guys, Chris Middleton, maybe he can develop a consistent shot. I don't know if it'll be a steal necessarily, but I do like that pick. Uh, Casey, who do you think is going to be a steal in this year's draft class? I have th- uh, four or five guys that I think. So <laughs> okay, let's list them all. Let's go. First, I'm going to start <laughs> with R.J. Hampton at 24th. I think that he is going to be a steal of the draft coming over from Australia, from, uh, Australia where LaMelo Ball played as well. And they faced off a couple times. Um, I also think that um, Nick Richards might be a Rudy Gobert type player. You know, not so great on offense, but a defensive hustler. A guy that can uh, get some blocks and patrol the paint. Um 
I think Yam Madar is going to be a decent player. Um, yeah, I also think that Nico Mannion and uh, Jay Scrub as well are going to be some decent players. I see Jay Scrub as a better shooting Alex Caruso. You know, one of those explosive guys who gets those putback dunks, you know, kind of brings the energy. But I also think that he's a little bit better shooter than Caruso. I I was going to bring up Scrub just because that would be complete homer because for those viewers unfamiliar, Scrub is from our hometown. And I actually attended high school and graduated from him. I graduated with him. From high school. So I saw him play a lot in high school. He was very, very good. But he the only knock on him was playing at JUCO. But he's still averaging 22 points. It's a very impressive. I think he needs a little bit of development, maybe a G League for a year. Or, but he also, like, he, he's going to the Clippers now. From He was drafted by Brooklyn Trade to the Clippers. Where, as of now, they got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And that could be really interesting to see him like develop a defense from Kawhi Leonard. I would like to see that happen. I don't know. What, what do you think Casey with that? Yeah, I, I definitely think that he can develop a good defense. <laughs> I mean, looking at his, you know, ju- uh, ju- Juco college stats, he averaged 20 and 21 points respectively with eight rebounds and six rebounds. I mean, he's definitely, he reminds me of a better shooting undersized Montrez without the defense. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, we yeah. all saw him a guy play who in brings high the energy, a guy you know fires up his team, you know, makes those explosive dunks, but also a guy who can you know can extend it from three point and, and make some good shots if he needs to. Defense is definitely not his strong suit, but you know, going to guys where they have defensive stalwarts, they have Montrez, you know, Kawhi, Paul George, like you said, those are three guys who are known for their defense. I mean, yeah, he's in a very good sure. spot, especially with, you know, the coaching situation now. But Ty Lu, you like that? I don't like Ty Lu, but I like the assistants. Yeah. Uh, Dalton, who do you think are a couple of people that could be the still the draft? Um, I like Peyton Pritchard. I thought the Celtics did a good job drafting him. Hampton, RJ Hampton. Um, Cole Anthony. Yeah. I gave like a quick glance at Obi Toppin, but, um, I feel like the top seven, eight picks, top yeah. ten picks. Christian, who do you think are a couple off. guys that could be a steal? So, I think Shua for Miami will be a huge steal. Uh, he probably won't have, like, the points, like, you know, uh, the big guys will, like, AD, uh, not AD, uh, Anthony Edwards or James or Mel or anything. But I think his development and helping defensively will be huge. And quick question, where is Maxi at? Where's Tyrese at? He, all right, so uh, that is, they didn't trade their pick. Okay, I think I no, think he yeah, will be a nice. Uh, he could come off the bench at point at a shooting guard, but I think he could be a real nice player for Philly, just because I think they need you know more of a shooter, you know shooters, 
So I think that's huge for Philly. And I think one steal from the draft is actually LaMelo. I think LaMelo Ball is a steal of the draft just because, you know, of what he can do. One of the, you know, uh, scouting was like he's one of the best passers. He has great court vision. You know, his scoring needs work. So I think he'll develop that later on down the line. But I think it's a real nice pick for them. I don't like the Ball family just because, you know, they have a loud mouth and, you know, they catch attention from the room. But I think Anthony Edwards should not have been drafted. I think Lamelo should have. I think he's the best player in this class, point guard-wise, or just guard-wise in general. But I think Charlotte, you know, they learn from their mistake. A real nice guard should not be traded to anywhere. So I think they're keeping all their picks because of what happened with Kobe. So I think Lamelo's uh, the biggest steal of the draft. <laughs> okay. Another guy that we haven't mentioned yet, kind of surprisingly, Onyeka Onkongwu, who went to the Hawks at six. Who I don't know a lot. I don't didn't watch him a lot, but just hearing like different pundits takes, and I believe when we used to play two K, we of course it was download draft class, so it's not entirely accurate. But Onkongwu is a really good player to have. Which Casey, correct me if I'm wrong, but hasn't two K updated the rosters for the rookies? Yes, they did. All of them are now in. Oh, uh, we gotta get together and play sometimes. This gonna be fun using these rookies. Uh, and then one last thing regarding the draft: Who do you guys think the biggest reach is? For me, as a, I think uh, Patrick Williams going for. I don't know if it's an incredibly big reach, but I think it was a little bit of a reach there. And then uh, I don't really know any like because this draft class is kind of very low on star power, and I think it's a lot of like very like low ceiling but high floor guys. But I don't, I don't know. There's probably like one or two other guys that I could probably. Oh yeah, Zeke Nanjia Nanji who went 22nd to Denver. Never heard of this dude. He went 22nd. So I okay, he could be good. But I think it's a slight reach in both categories. But of course, late first round, not really much reaching. You know, I think Zeke, I've heard of Zeke. He's a pretty good player. Average sixteen point one in college. Yeah, in Arizona, yeah. usually in the Pac twelve, you know, the bigs are really nice. Oh yeah, we saw like DeAndre Aiden when he was at Arizona. Okay, I get it. Like, I could be completely wrong. You know, I don't think he's gonna well, be a bad watch player. Watch him really go bare. I don't know if I wait. He's gonna be, yeah, he's gonna yeah, be yeah, the he's next gonna... Giannis. <laughs> Yep. Oh, yeah, could pick late. Uh, a little bit on Leandro Bomero, but, but he's a probably a stash, guys, I would think. Okay, he maybe contributes to the Knicks. Who knows? This draft, uh, is also the fact that we haven't seen these players since March, very hard to kind of gaze. A little bit of a uh, thing on there. But I'll go to uh, yeah, Christian sure. first on this. Who do you see being – who do you see being the biggest reach in this uh, year's draft class? Or being I think a Pat reach, Williams. at least. Like, I, I get it. Like, they say he finishes games and he's on the court. You know, when, you know he's, a, he's a better defender than anything. But, I mean, you're, you're taking a dude who's averaging 9-4-1. and one. Like, you're not you're – not, you know, you don't have a score. And I don't think the Bulls really need that with Kobe and Laurie but, and Zach Levine. But at the same time, you want to get a guy who – 
I don't know, like a better, I guess a better defender. So maybe it's a reach or maybe that's for Bulls game plan is get defense. But not a lot of people had him up, you know, this high and the Bulls reached for him. So it could work out. Um, and I think probably another big reach. Um, that's really about it. I think he's really the only major reach. Maybe Jalen Smith from Maryland. Haven't really heard much from him. Uh, you know, they ha- he has good stock apparently, but for Phoenix, they just need, I guess, depth for their bench because they just traded it all to uh, OKC. So maybe they'll do something with Jalen, but that, those are the two, my big two reaches. Yeah. Uh, Casey, who do you see being a reach in this year's draft class? Unpopular opinion. I think Anthony Edwards is the biggest reach in this draft. Wow, the number one. I mean, we haven't seen a. I mean, like, yes, is going to, yeah, Anthony Bennett level of Bennett. We all was like, who the hell's this guy? He's not going to be that good. Anthony Edwards. Wow, I want to hear your explanation for this. So, okay, you know, the Timberwolves. You know, they have D'Angelo Russell, an all-star point guard. They have. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns, an all-star center. You know, you're going to create too many people who want the ball in their hands, you know? I mean, granted, that's never a problem. But, look, I don't think Anthony Edwards is that number one guy. My number one guy all year has been James Wiseman. I think he is the best overall player in this draft. I mean, look at the look at the intangibles. Seven foot one, 247. Um, you know, in college, didn't play many, didn't only play three games, but averaged 19 and 10. Yeah, he was early. good. My stance, and again, you guys could choose to believe me or not, but ever since Golden State's season looked like it was going down the drain early on with all the injuries, I always thought the best pick for Golden State would be to get James Wiseman because you know, you got Curry, you had Clay, of course, he's not playing anymore because mm-hmm. of injuries, you have Draymond. Center's always been like their weakness per se. They've been playing small ball. Yeah, they got Wiggins now. This is before the trade happened. They had D'Lo at that point. I was like, dude, if they get James Wiseman at two, they are setting themselves up for the next five years at least to be at least in contention. Of course, the West is always in contention with Steph Curry. Yeah, and the West is a lot deeper. The West is way more tough now than when they just owned it for – yeah, I mean, if you look at the t- if you look at the top ten picks, there's one team that is not like the rest. Yep. That's the Golden State Warriors. They were only bad because they had Steph injured. They had everybody injured except for Draymond, and they, they lost KD too. Yeah, they were playing a G League team. My my thing with uh, uh, just to shoot back at Casey is, yeah, James Wiseman may be, you know, him and Lamelo Ball probably one and two, arguably, uh, in this class. But at the same time, Minnesota, they don't need a big center like Wiseman. They don't need uh, a point guard like Lamelo. They need, you know, a wing or a shooting guard. And that's what they got in Anthony Edwards. So I think for them, it's a, probably a perfect pick. But at the same time, we'll just see. But I don't think – I don't think he was the biggest reach. I think for what Minnesota needs – he is one of the perfect fits you can put in there right now. It's a lot. Uh, Dolan, real quick, who's your uh, big reach of the draft? 
Um, <laughs> Pat is there. Williams. Um, yeah, it's a big consensus, I think. Um, it's pretty much... I was a bit surprised Tyrese Maxey went as high as he did. Um, yeah. Same with uh, Quickly, Emmanuel Quickly. Yeah, shout out to the local guys so, from Louisville, Kentucky, and but... of course Scrub, who went to college or high school here. The one thing I was a little surprised, and it's only sure. a three pick thing, but and maybe it's just I'm not. I don't know Kentucky's roster like the ins and outs. I was a little surprised that Nick Richards went before Jordy Wara, given that a few of my Kentucky friends I have are not very sold on Nick Richards and things like that good. Even so ESPN has a 64 yeah, overall. A why did Nick Richards go before Jordan? All right. Yeah, Jordan. This Jordan happened was, because Jordan, Jordan is a way better player. He did. He did. Big game Louisville played in. I Nick Richards that. showed up in every big game. I mean, UK he, when Kentucky was one of him defensively, Nick Richards guys. was there. Mm-hmm. Jordan's a, a very streaky. Guy. Jordan's a very streaky shooter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, and then Nick Richards is one of those guys. Oh yeah. You know that you can depend on in the paint to get blocks, rebounds, provide energy. You know, bring the hustle. Jordan, at times you saw him hogging the ball. You saw him not taking good shots. You saw him miss, you know, a majority of his shots and shoot under 50% a majority of the games he played in. I remember watching him saying, why doesn't he pass the ball? You know, he'd be shooting one for 11 and keep jacking up shots. Yeah, trying to pad stats and impress scouts. It's like yeah, a exactly. much of your missing. I, I, I'm not mm-hmm. talking, He's missing way more than he ever makes. Oh, I got, just this breaking news from Woj. Detroit Pistons are not extending a qualifying Ooh. offer to Thon Maker. He's going to be unrestricted for agent. I know. 39-year-old <laughs> rookie or 39-year-old, 20-year-old. <laughs> no one knows how old he is. Uh, okay. This is, um, that about wraps up our draft coverage. Hope you enjoy that. On to some big trades that have gone down. And I'm gonna. I gotta start with Dolan because the Thunder have been. They trade everyone, right. and then the, everyone they got, they flipped. The big notable ones I have is a uh, Dennis Schroeder going to the Lakers, Al Horford coming into the Thunder, and trading CP3 to the Suns. Like, just take me through, as a fan, what you're going through with all these trades and and whatnot coming in. Well, spends oh my, my cholesterol is a little high, so um, I never know what I'm going to get. Every day is a new day, according to Sam Presti, in terms of the roster and how it's shaping up. Um, when I first heard the Dennis Schroeder news, um, I was a bit surprised. Um, and also, I like Schroeder, especially when he came off the bench. Should have won six man of the year, but that's neither here nor there. Um I think, I think really what we got in return for trading Dennis Schroeder is what caught me off guard at first because I knew Danny Green did not have a good postseason, and I was like, this, this doesn't sound right. Um, but I'm glad Sam flipped him for Al Horford. Um, I think that Al Horford could be a good player for the or good player, good veteran presence for our team. Um. Now, just seeing the draft and seeing that Sam has drafted a bunch of 
tall dudes who can shoot threes, I kind of get a good glimpse, a good idea of how the roster is going to be this season. Um, and, and, you know, like, of course, not to mention that Al Horford can shoot threes as well sometimes. Um, very, yeah. very interesting. I like the uh, CP3 Suns so. edition personally. I, I think pairing him with a D mm, Yeah, I, I mean, about that we one. have a friend yeah. as a Suns fan who nonstop will talk about how they're going to be really good, especially how they finished strong last season with uh, Aiden yeah. on the bubble. Just unfortunately, they just barely missed the play-in game trigger. But Phoenix is a – they're doing something yes. special there. And they got CP3, D-Book, DeAndre Aiden's going to be they are. hopefully not suspended next season. So that team – watch out for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, yeah, and Spence, I think that the Phoenix-Oklahoma City trade was – I mean, you can make – I mean, honestly, both teams might have won because of their – respective positions and like their rosters yeah. and where they want to go. Um, I think Phoenix oh, yeah, I think gave up a little bit a too little much. Bit. That's just, yeah. Cause I they gave up I, like, I could you know, be completely wrong, but I think half their bench matching salaries, one player. Right. Yeah. I get that. And, but you know, I think giving up three or four players in a first round pick, or a couple first round picks. That sounds like a little bit much to me. That sounds like something I oh, do. Oh yeah, in you hog all those second round picks. Um. So, but you know, right? That's that's yeah. That's definitely right. And I think I think Sam Presti's doing the same thing. Well, not hogging you the second round what? picks, but rather the first round picks because yeah. we're gonna own the draft for the next six years. But that's yeah. Uh, Casey, do you have anything about all the moves Oklahoma City has made? I this think the past Thunder few days? are going to be stacked within five years. I mean, look at how many draft picks they have. They have. What is it? Six, seven, eight first round picks in the next four years. That's that is he's Presley's probably like Danny. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. insanity. These draft I mean, picks. Look, yeah, they have good players too. You know, they have Shy Gilders, Alexander to build around. Um, Stephen Adams. You know, they have some good players. You know, a couple more bench pieces, and they're a you know top five seed in the in the West. Yeah, Christian, do you have any additional yeah, thoughts with I the agree. Thunder I mean, trades? Nothing much. I mean, the Chris Paul one definitely shocked, I think, most of us. Just because, you know, I mean, we kind of saw it coming. You know, OKC is trying to be younger and trying to rebuild what they had back in 2012. But, um, I mean, not really. I think they just needed a veteran presence like Al Horford who won't, you know, need the ball as much. And, yeah, maybe OKC can really turn it on in a couple of years. Um, they're definitely going to be, in my eyes, a, a top ten pick probably next year because I don't think they're going to be as competitive. But, yeah, I think uh, I think it's good and bad. I, I know Dalton doesn't like it as much. But I think in a couple of years, yeah, OKC's, OKC could be a real uh, threat in the West. Yeah. Another G – Another GM that's trying to make a lot yeah, of moves is uh John Horst out of Milwaukee, trading a he traded three picks and two possible mm-hmm. swaps to get Drew Holiday from the Pelicans. We talked about a couple episodes back the possibility of Drew Holiday being traded, and he's going to Milwaukee, which I think they kind of overpaid a bit for him. But if it keeps you, if it gives you Giannis to stay back and get a super max and have him play. The next five years or so, I 
and they can win a championship with it, it's all worth it in the end. If you can get a championship out of it, but that's just my two cents on it. Casey, what do you think about Drew Holiday going to the? Uh, I had Milwaukee said on Bucks? an earlier show that you know Giannis might leave the Bucks if they don't get him help, and well, they got him help. They got him a point guard that you know is a scorer, a passer, and a good teammate. I mean, that lineup's starting to look scary with Drew Holiday, um, uh, Chris Middleton, Giannis. Um, who's their center? Brooke. Yep, Brooke Lopez. And then uh, – Well, John, he didn't he, – he's not committed they, to Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they briefly had acquired – and I have that awesome notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich was briefly on the team, but there was a signing trade. And he's like, I never agreed to the signing mm-hmm. trade because he's restricted free agent. So that Kate and if he doesn't sign the contract, obviously to go there, that trade can't be finalized. But that would be a scary team. Like they were first in the East last year, and they almost got better. Well, they did get better, I think. Still, I would, take, I would gone, take Drew over Bledsoe. I think mostly every day. Oh yeah, me too. They got yeah a great player and a great facilitator. That's going to be even scarier. I mean, Giannis is taking some of that pressure off you know, the passing game. And now they have yeah. multiple guys you can pass the ball, three good scorers, you know, three good defenders. Well, I wouldn't say Chris Middleton is a great defender, but he can certainly pull his weight. If, if he wants to, I think he can play. And their shooting guard right now, yeah. isn't that the, the Dante DaVinci or DaVinci? Oh, D- DaVincenzo is definitely a up-and-comer yeah. in the league, I think. Yeah, yeah, Chino was in the trade to Sacramento, but he's not. He's still on the roster because that trade. I mean, they could flip it. Like it's not official. Like Bogdan Bogdanovich could go I think he to, to be his uh, Milwaukee. Yeah, he again. He's restricted for agent. We'll see, test the market. Don, do you have any additional thoughts before we go to the ad break? Okay. We've been no, talking sir. for almost an hour. No, sir. On just a lot. We, and we're not done yet. We still have NFL coverage. So I'll give a quick ad break, and we'll be back with the NFL. Welcome back, guys. I hope you've been enjoying the show so far. I know this episode's going to be a little longer than most episodes we have, but there's a lot we had to get through to cover. So we'll begin with the NFL news, and – of course, to recap, Steelers still defeated. Jets still winless. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. Let's go. But uh, this is going to be – okay, go I don't want to rush through this section, but I know you guys probably want to – but there's a, one big play, and I don't normally highlight, like, single plays in games. We haven't even done a recap, like an actual recap in a while. But DeAndre Hopkins catch against the Buffalo Bills last week was one of the best regular season catches I've seen in a long time. You have Kyler Murray taking the snap, time's winding down, rolls out of the pocket, just throws it deep because he's like D-hops down there. He can probably catch it, or he gives us a chance to catch it. You have three Bills defenders surrounding DeAndre Hopkins, and he still is able to out-jump them because he has a higher wingspan, he's slightly taller than them, out-jumps it, pulls the ball down, I'm watching my TV live when this happens. I'm like, what did I just watch with this? I I know Dahl was probably upset because seeing the Cardinals win since they're in the same division. But, Dahl, I'll start with you first. What was you, what did you think when you saw that awesome catch by sure. Andre Hopkins? 
If I was the Bills' defensive back coach, I would light the entire secondary up because that's ridiculous. How do you not? How do you not knock the ball down? Not to mention, I saw the replay. Jordan Poyer was late. The ball had already came down, and there was nobody but Tre'Davious White sitting at an, sitting at five foot ten or five foot eleven, however tall he is, as the only person that was in front of D Hop. I was like, why are you all not in front of the wide receiver? It's it blows my mind. Blows my mind how DBs play this this like this year and like how they play today. Because I guarantee you back then they would have tried to knock the ball down instead of standing behind the wide receiver. It's just crazy. Crazy. But you know, credit yeah. D Hop. He made he made a he made, he made a great play. That's why he's yeah. one of the best wide receivers uh, in the league. Christian, so. I know you're a huge football fan. And also, when we do our picks last week, Let's the only go, person to the Cardinals. So, it was an interesting week. But what, what was your like reaction? Because before then, the Bills had yeah, scored sorry. a touchdown with like 30 seconds left. And you were like, I was oh, like, GG, fellas. And game. then uh, I just went, holy uh, poop, bad poop word. I'm trying not to cuss here. Holy Cooper. <laughs> and I, I was shocked. Yeah. That that play right there makes the hop for me and probably in a lot of people's minds. He's the best receiver in the game. He was triple covered. And, you know, Kyler put the – just put the ball in the money. And it was a perfect pass and perfect catch. Um, and, hope you know, and I'm glad that I was the only one right on that game. Uh, it was off of fluke play, but it was awesome. So, congrats to Arizona and tonight against Seattle. They kind of need it, I think. Uh, Casey, do you have any additional thoughts for the DeAndre Hopkins? I think what makes catch? it crazy is that when you look at it, D Hop is only six foot one and still jumped up higher than all the defensive backs and came down with the ball in triple coverage on a Hail Mary with two seconds remaining. That just makes it even more crazy that he's only six one. Yeah, it was a very crazy play, and very—I mean, credit to D Hop and hell of a catch. And hopefully, we'll see more of that tonight. Uh, also, news: uh, Drew Brees unfortunately broken ribs, collapsed lung. It, I maybe it sounds a lot worse than it is. And I'll, again, I'll defer to Casey on this with the more medical analysis with this. But right now, it says out two to three weeks. Is that a realistic window? Yeah, that's not realistic wrong, Casey. I mean, a collapsed lung is definitely nothing to joke about because it literally sounds like what it is. I mean, it's when the lung deflates and you have to go back in and literally fill the lung back up so it doesn't collapse back in on itself. Yep, plus the broken ribs. I mean, That's true. if he plays within the next four weeks, I will be shocked. And if he does play within the next four weeks, I guarantee you he's being shot up with so much painkillers, he can't feel a thing. And if that happens, the Saints medical team needs to be fired and need to be investigated because that is dangerous. I mean, we saw what happened with Tyrod Taylor. Uh, I don't know what the exact injury he had, but they tried yeah, shooting him with like a painkiller something, punctured lung. They tried do, trying to fix it, it being a lot worse than it was. Again, 
I mean, it's the Jameis Winston time. We saw last year when Breeze was injured, Teddy Bridgewater took the reins, kind of rebuilt his career. So maybe Jameis Winston, who's right now on a minimum contract, or Taysom Hill could be getting the nod. I think they'll end up going Winston because they like Hill in a lot of other situations. I mean, Christian, where do you think this goes for Jameis Winston since he's going to so be the starter? New Orleans' for the next several future? games are. They're playing against Atlanta. They play against Denver, and they play they play Atlanta two of the next three weeks, and then Denver and Atlanta. I would not rush this injury. Uh, you know, credit Drew Brees. He's a trooper, and he finished that game. I don't think a lot of guys would. So credit to him. You know, against a you know decent. Well, he no, he got taken oh. out at half. Oh, he finished the half. But anyway. Um, I thought he finished the game, but anyway, um, the next co- several weeks they're not playing like real big competition, and even in, I'm looking at the schedule now. They're in, the only one definite loss is Philly. I mean, not Philly, uh, Kansas City. So, yeah, I saw Kansas City. I said Philly. So, uh, Kansas City is the only definite loss in my eyes. So I think uh, New Orleans should just shouldn't <laughs> rush it. They should keep Jameis and Taysom Hill at quarterback and then just wait and see what happens with the playoffs. Yeah. And then another news before we go to our picks for the week, DeAndre Baker has had his charges dropped and the victim, the lawyer is for the victim is facing extortion charges. And Baker also has signed with the Chiefs practice squad. Again, we covered this a while back, and again, the information we had at the time was what we reported. We have new information that come to light, and hopefully Baker's his career back on track because it seems with the information we currently have that he was being extorted, and hopefully the lawyer gets prosecuted if that's indeed with the case. And hopefully Baker's his career back on track. Uh, Christian, I'll go to you first. Your whole thoughts on Baker finally – I mean, it's unfortunate what's happened to him, but in a way he kind of – Felt upwards because he's now in a much better situation with the uh, Chiefs with OBJ? Than he was with the Giants. Oh, DeAndre, that's I know that with DeAndre Baker. Um, I heard Baker, and I was like, huh? but uh, with Kansas City, yeah, I mean, they are seriously playing in Madden without the salary cap on. They're 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 getting everybody they can. Uh, them in Tampa, like so for Kansas City, I guess it's good, but I mean. I mean, I don't really have much for it. I don't think he'll be a huge issue when he is in Kansas City secondary. So we'll see how it we'll see how it goes. goes. Yeah. Yeah. Casey, do you have any additional? Yeah, I think he's definitely a huge add to that Kansas City secondary once he does get elevated. And it's only a matter of time uh till he does get elevated. You know, I think he's just in a uh, kind of what we saw with Des Bryant in the um Ravens, that kind of thing. But DeAndre Baker, we're forgetting that he was a first-round pick for the Giants, and he was first-team All-Rookie his his rookie year. I mean, this guy can play, and he's definitely going to be a huge add to a Kansas City defense who gives up tons of yards every game. I mean, he could, he's probably going to step in and be their number one or two cornerback. I mean – and I'm not exaggerating either. Yeah, that defense for Kansas City has been their weak point, even when they won the Super Bowl last year. Uh, Dawn, do you have any additional uh, – because I know you are 
kind of know more about the law than we do because you kind of are studying that a bit in school. What is uh, your takeaway from DeAndre Baker and the lawyer facing extortion charges? It's kind of interesting, man. That's kind of crazy, I think. Um, but, you know, it doesn't surprise me. Um, I have to look more into it because I don't – I haven't been really following that much about that other stuff on my plate. But, um, yeah, no, that's – Hmm. Well, good for DeAndre Baker. He can get back to play football like he was before. And uh, <laughs> Chiefs, man. Chiefs keep picking up all these good players with questionable histories, questionable in quotations. Um, and, I mean, he was a pretty good player at Georgia. So. I mean, I think he, I think he can still play. I think he can still make it happen. So, and now on Good to friend. our predictions for the games of the week that I've determined. <laughs> we have five games on the docket. First, we have tonight's game, which will start in about an hour and a half from the time we're recording this. It's the uh, Arizona Cardinals and the Seattle Seahawks. But instead of this game being played at CenturyLink Field, it's going to be played at Lumen Field. That's right, Seattle. I believe it's a it's a course we need to go with a, a corporate sponsor for your stadium name. This stuff happens. I believe Lumen's the company that just bought out CenturyLink. Not entirely sure on the situation at hands, but the stadium has been renamed Lumen Field, which yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I just thought I'd note that. But I'm going – I mean, Seattle has kind of struggled lately, especially Russell Wilson. Back-to-back games with multiple interceptions. They had previously played the Cardinals in Arizona, and they lost by three. And I don't know. That defense is – both teams have a less than uh, less than average, I guess, defense. They're not very good defensively. So, I think we can have a, see a – because last time was a 37-34 score. I think we could see a shootout going on. And you got two mobile quarterbacks with Russell and, and uh, Kyler. I think – I'm leaning towards Seattle. That's who I'm going to pick a Seattle. But I wouldn't be shocked if D-Hop in the uh, – Cardinals can pull it out. So uh, I'll go to Casey first on this. Who, what's your I'm pick for the Cardinals Seahawks game? Um, Russell Wilson, yes, he has not been playing good the past couple weeks, maybe past three weeks even. But I think that he is going to have a bounce back game. And the fact that they're at home, I think that is a huge um, factor for them as well. Uh, also, I just don't trust that. Cardinals defense, you know, after that game against the Bills. The only reason they won that game again was off that miracle play by DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray. I mean, without take that play away, they lose the game. I mean, obviously, but I think yeah. the Seahawks are going to pull this one out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Christian, where Seattle do you see this game, game going tonight? Basically, well, what Casey was saying, uh, Arizona, they've gotten lucky in the last couple of weeks. They got lucky when they played Seattle uh, the first time. They got lucky against last week. Uh, and even though Russ has not been cooking as much uh, the last couple of weeks, he's been cooking more interceptions than anything. But I think Russell Wilson, you know, after, you know, just watching film against L.A. and Buffalo, which were winnable games, he looks at Arizona and is like, okay, I got to step up. So, I got Seattle winning this game, and I just don't, you know, I don't think there's going to be a miracle play like that against Arizona. I mean, if they do, they do, but I'm taking Seattle. 
Yeah. Dalton, where do you see this game going? I mean, this is very important for your two division teams. It is, Spency, it is. I'm going to take Seattle to win. Uh, it took a Kyler Murray dime to D-Hop to win against Buffalo. Gosh, that's a shame. Because Buffalo was doing yeah. really well against the NFC West. They were, they, were, they were on a roll, man. They put up 35 against my team and then 44 against Seattle. Um, man, that's a shame. But um, I'm going to take Seattle to win. I think Russ bounces back. And, um, yeah, I think he gets his revenge in that overtime loss that they took. On to Sunday season. afternoon at 1 o'clock, we have Titans and Ravens squaring off in uh, Baltimore, and I got to apologize because last week we briefly mentioned the Patriots-Ravens game. I was like, oh, Patriots are probably going to lose this game. They ended up winning surprisingly. I was happy with that. I'll take it any way we can get a win. But that, that being pushed aside, I am actually – I said this a couple weeks ago when they played the Colts. I'm not sold on the Ravens anymore. I think – I think they're flawed. I think they're very talented, but I think they're still a little flawed in some degrees. And I know the Titans aren't exactly – playing well either but I feel like if this is a run game it's, they're both teams have good running games and I just trust Derrick Henry more than I do with the, I guess Baltimore running game so I'm going to go with the Tennessee Titans this week and I'll go to Christian first Man, who do you uh, see winning the Titans yeah, my prediction the Super Bowl was Baltimore and New Orleans and just how Baltimore's playing and you know the possible Drew Brees injury I may be wrong but Baltimore, I mean, it doesn't look like the same dominant team that we saw last year when Lamar was cooking, and he was destroying defenses left and right. And Tennessee, I mean, Derrick Henry can just go off at any moment. And Indianapolis played a real nice game, uh, really stopped him, um, you know, in the second half. But – Tennessee has been playing a lot of close games. They really should have lost four straight, possibly. But I think Tennessee will not get this dub. I think Baltimore wins, but I think it's going to be a real close game. And Baltimore, real, I think they need this win more than anything. The, right now, because they're at the seventh seed. Yeah. They're at the seventh seed now. So they're barely on in the uh, playoff picture. So they really need this. Well, both teams are six and three, and there's a lot of six and three teams in the AFC. It's going to be very, very interesting to see how this finishes off. Casey, who do you have for the Titans Ravens game? Um, Derrick Henry is likely going to break a thousand yards rushing on the season. He's only fifty four away. Heck, we could even see him break eleven hundred yards on the season. Uh, the way he demolished the Ravens in the playoffs last year with hundred and ninety six yards. Yeah, and Baltimore's a really good run defense this year, too, but right. you can still see it being destroyed. The Ravens need to trust Lamar more with the passing game. They just haven't trusted him this year, and the play calling has been too similar. I mean, you see Lamar saying, they know what we're going to run when we're at the line. Yeah, he said that Rich Eisen's show. So that's obviously a huge problem with the play calling. You know, I don't blame Lamar here. I think he, they need to open up the offense more for him, and they need to air the ball out because obviously just running the ball is not working. Yeah. 
And also, Dawn just left because he has work. So the rest of the show, there's only a few more predictions. Just be Casey, Christian, and I for the viewers listening. Another game, which I believe is probably a clean sweep, with given how you guys have a favorite team involved, it's the Green Bay Packers and the Indianapolis Colts. Seventy-two pack, seven and two Packers, six and three Colts. As I mentioned, six and three log jam in the AFC. The game is in Indianapolis, and they're surprisingly giving Indianapolis a one-and-a-half-point favorite, and my, I think it's a surprise. I think Packers are a better team, obviously, better defensively. <laughs> and <laughs> Okay, maybe. I, don't know, I mean, you guys watch the game a lot more fun. than I do. <laughs> I, I mean, I like, I like Rivers, but I don't think he's going to be able to – do much this Sunday. So I'm going with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Casey, you led my defensive comment. How about you start off with uh, your you pick Packers Colts? Um, here's where you're like super wrong on defense, okay? You're 7-2 and two of the bad defense. Oh, no, I'm, not telling, I'm telling you that the, the, the Colts have the first-ranked total defense, the second-place second pass defense, third-place rush defense, fourth in points, and 17th in third down. Ah, Colts do have the a good Packers, defense. on the other hand, are ninth in total yards, 13th in passing, 12th in rushing, 15th in points, and 15th in third down. So middle of the pack, pretty much. Yeah, it's still a good defense. Okay, so, I am sleeping on Indy Devils' defense with Leonard and uh, the Packers' defense Buckner. has not been able to force turnovers no. all year. And the just the pass rush has not been there outside of Zadarius Smith. Preston Smith's not getting to the quarterback. Um, Kenny Clark's not getting there. Rashawn Gary's not getting there. None of our players are getting to the cornerback, and we're not getting turnovers. So that's a huge problem. Also, our running game has not been that great lately with Aaron Jones being injured, you know, A.J. Dillon on the um, COVID list, as well as um, – Tyler Irvin now being out with injury. And Devontae Adams, he didn't practice today with injury, an ankle injury. So this is going to be a very tough game. So it's basically one of the best offenses in the league versus the best defense in the league. If we can stop them on offense and get something going on off and, and get something going on our offense, we'll win the game. But if that Colts defense gets to Aaron Rodgers, and applies pressure. No, but I think I'm going to have to go with the Packers here just because they're my favorite team. And we have Aaron Rodgers, who is playing one of his best seasons in his career. And when you say that about Aaron Rodgers, that's kind of surprising because he's Aaron Rodgers. And Phillip- oh, yeah, he's had and a very Phillip good career Rivers so far. He's been playing that well with only 11 touchdowns to seven picks. So I got to go with the Packers here based off of the offensive firepower. Yeah. Christian, uh, you're also a Packers um, fan. How do you see this It's going to be very out? close because th- when we play tough defenses, you know, and Tampa Bay, it was not fun at all. Tampa Bay just came in and they whooped them. And it was at Tampa Bay. So, you know, I guess home field advantage is somewhat of a factor with all this COVID stuff. And the Colts defense, it's for real. You know, I think the Colts defense has definitely carried uh, Indianapolis for most of their games this year. So, 
and because Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers and he can just go off on a dime, last week I'm hoping I don't see that offense or that defense. Or and oh, the defense was better. But I hope I don't see that Green Bay Packers week. Um, if that's the case, then Colts will win. But I think Aaron Rodgers, he's just going to go off, you know, against Indianapolis defense, hopefully. And I take Green Bay winning, but it's definitely going to be a tough game. Yeah, very – I mean, that's the game to watch. Another one going out west. This is a kind of a revenge game for the only loss that the Kansas City Chiefs have had so far on the season was to the Las Vegas Raiders. And that, they were at home when they lost the game. This time they're going to Vegas. and But that being said, I still – I think but Mahomes and Reed, they know what happened last time. They lost about eight. Let that They're not going to let that happen again. I don't think so, at least. So I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs getting revenge on the Las Vegas Raiders. I don't know how much, because I think last time I actually said the week four, it was going to be like a two-touchdown win for Kansas City, and they ended up losing by eight. So that was a bad beat for me. Go O-Takes exposed me for that take. But that, I think it's going to be – I don't know how this game's going to be played out, but I do think Kansas City – We'll get the revenge. Uh, I'll go to Casey first. How I do you agree. see this game playing out? I think that Kansas City edges it out here. Um, just the offense is too much to handle against no matter against the best defense. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is playing even better than he did last year. I mean, he's twenty-five and one. Twenty-five and one with a one touchdown interception, passer rating. But don't get me wrong, Jarrett Carr is playing out of his mind as well. Sixteen touchdowns, two interceptions. You know, Josh Jacobs has 700 yards and eight touchdowns. It's definitely going to be an offensive battle, but it's going to come down to which team has the better defense. And we saw that in the last game. The Raiders got one stop, and that's all they needed to win the game. So, But I'm going to have to go with the Chiefs here just because, you know, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, for sure. Christian, uh, where do you lean on this game? Chiefs are definitely going to get revenge. I think they know they got they got whooped in that game. Uh, defense did not show up because they thought Oakland just was not there. Uh, Derek Carr has come on fire. You know, he was in the back, I believe, in 2017. You know, he was just lighting the league on fire, and Oakland had one of his best seasons in a long time with uh, Justin O'Reilly as the coach. So, I think Derek Carr realizes, like, people have been kind of trashing on him and overpaid and all this stuff. And he's really taking that in saying, you know what, I got to be better. I got to do this and have a tip on my shoulder. And he's done really well this season. But I think Kansas City just has, A, the best quarterback in the National Football League by a mile. I don't don't think there's any second place I can compete with him besides A-Rod. But, I mean, he's – He's just another breed. He's another beast. And Kansas City had just has more weapons and more talent around him than Derek Carr and Oakland, uh, Las Vegas do. So I think Kansas City takes this. Um, and the spread's eight, and I think it's going to be a little bit closer, but I'll take Kansas City on this one. Yeah, so another sweep. And then on to Monday Night Football, we have the Los Angeles Rams – traveling to Tampa Bay, taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And a uh, Brady Goff have not faced off since Serial 53. Dawn, I'm roasting you on this. I know you left already, but I'll roast you on that. The last time Brady and Gronk 
played the Rams. It was a very defensive battle. I don't think this one's going to be quite that defensive. I think Tampa Bay's offense is a lot better than New England's was that season, really. Los Angeles also has a very good offense, too. But I got to go with the Buccaneers. They're playing at home. And Brady, last night, faced that Rams defense. Of course, he had McDaniels drop the plays, not Bruce Arians. And I think Arians, you could argue, is a better offense than mine. I don't really know. That require me to do more research on that. But I think Brady's going to know what the defense is going to throw at him. He's going to be able to pick apart, and I think he'll get the win. I'll throw it over to Christian first. How do you uh, the Bucks have been a little bumpy out? in the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah, they're like you know they can have they're a Chicago game or they can have a New Orleans or they can have a Green Bay game or a Chicago and New Orleans game. Like they, you really have no idea what Tampa's going to bring. But Seattle, you know, like defensively, they'll be. I mean, they only have allowed I think. Uh, more than 20 points, I think, in one game. Their defense just, you know, no one can really score on them. And their offense isn't the best. So, really, their defense does win. But I think Tampa Bay is going to have the advantage slightly just because of Tom Brady and, you know, his no salary cap Madden team that he has. It could probably overwhelm uh, the Rams. And I don't think the uh, Rams' offense will do anything against Tampa Bay's defense. So, I got Tampa Bay in this one, and, yeah, I think it's going to be a real good game. Yeah. Uh, Casey, where do you see this game? I got the going? Rams in this one. I think the Rams have been playing much better than the Bucks recently. I think that, you know, um, Sean McVay is going to get it going on offense. I think, you know, Aaron Donald is going to wreak havoc on Tom Brady and – I just like the Rams in this one. I, I have a, I just have a gut feeling the Rams are going to pull this one out. Hey, it's going to be a very fun game for sure. Monday Night Football, you got 6-3, 7-3. I mean, we haven't seen a game with this, like, actual good primetime game in a while. I mean, there's probably – you could name a few last year or not. But it's going to be something to watch for. So, I appreciate you guys sticking with me, both uh, Casey and Christian, This because it has been a longer episode than usual. Uh, do you have any additional closing thoughts? Oh, I did want to say that Sharif O'Neal, Shaquille O'Neal's son, was granted immediate eligibility by the NCAA to play in the 2020-2021 season for LSU. And an update, and my update Uh, is for the Seattle game against Arizona. Chris Parson is out. So that will be a huge blow to Seattle. Yeah, but I still – He's been out for the last few games. I think that's like Chris Parson, the run game has just hurt Russell because Russell is passing, 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 or running himself. So it just gives that offense more balance. But I still take Seattle in this. So this is just breaking. Mark Stein from – I don't know exactly what website is covering the NBA, New York Times, reporting that NBA has opened an investigation of the reported transaction involving Milwaukee and Sacramento – that was to send Bogdan Bogdanovich to the Bucks via sign-and-trade after Friday's schedule started free agency. New York Times Sports has learned. Very interesting to see how that plays out. But I appreciate you guys sticking on, you the listeners, for sticking with us this entire episode. I know it has been a longer one. We really appreciate you guys listening. So if you enjoyed this, please share it with your friends and family. Help us grow. Again, thanks for listening. I'm Christian sure. Brown. So thank you guys. Enjoy the rest of your day.